That uh, prayer is enough to preach. You can all go home now. Um, <laughs> no, but seriously, it's uh, beautiful. It's a good reminder. I was really encouraged in worship this morning. Um, as Pastor Jeff has probably mentioned before, I'm kind of a charismatic boy. Um, so I like things a little lively. and it, So it felt really lively. Thank you uh, again for that. Uh, but most importantly, we were directing our attention to... Christ, and um, so I hope you're encouraged. I'm just loading stuff up here, just so I make sure I start on on track. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be here uh, to share. This is my first time up at Bat, so uh, be patient with me this morning. I'm gonna find my way, um, but we're gonna be encouraged this morning. I really believe that. Uh, up until the wee hours of the morning last night, I was I wasn't stressing over the message, but just pondering. Um, seeking God's face, that uh, the Holy Spirit would direct my words, that we'd be encouraged and yet challenged. Um, we would be at a rest in God's mercy and yet quickened to step out as agents of mercy, agents of light. Um, as you'll see to the right, some of you may see I brought a few props with me today. Um, I have an actual whole bunker kit here of the uh, Toronto Firefighting um, Department over uh, my way in GTA. A good friend of mine uh, was um, a chief in the Toronto Fire Department. He's retired now. He didn't he didn't perish in the fire or anything, but uh, he he loaned me this stuff. Um, and I realized I forgot one of my props. And um, I'm hoping um, maybe someone could go to my office and grab my sledgehammer. So, um, <laughs> but while while someone's doing that. Let's turn to Jude, the book of Jude. We're going to have some fun here. We need to exercise a little bit of patience as we read together. It can seem a little daunting, but it starts off fantastic and it ends even better. Media team, be patient with me this morning. I know you guys are going to be all over the place, so I applaud you guys. Okay, starting right in Jude. You only have one, we only have 25 verses. I'm reading from the uh, NIV today. So it says, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who have been called, who were loved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, mercy and peace and love be yours in abundance. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we shared, I felt compelled to write you and encourage you to contend for the faith 
that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ our only sovereign and Lord. Though you already know all this, we want to remind you that the Lord at one time delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their proper dwelling. These he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual morality and perversion. Thank you. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. In the very same way, on the strength of their dreams, these ungodly people pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and even heap abuse on celestial beings. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing the devil about the body of Moses, did not himself dare to condemn him for slander, but said, The Lord rebuke you. Yet these people slander whatever they do not understand in the very things they do not understand by instinct, as irrational animals do, will be destroyed, or will destroy them. Woe to them, they have taken the way of Cain, they have rushed for the prophet into Balaam's error, they have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. These people are blemishes at your love feast, eating with you out of the slightest qualm, shepherds who feed only themselves, they are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind, Autumn trees without fruit and uprooted, twice dead. They are wild waves of the sea, foaming up their shame, wandering stars for whom the blackest darkness has been reserved forever. And Enoch, the seventh of Adam, prophesied about them. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and convict them all of all the ungodly acts. They have committed in their ungodliness, and of all the defiant words, ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These people are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. And this is the key part for us here today. But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times, there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others, show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So maybe you're... You're like me, and, and as you hear those words, you're thinking, wow, that's, that's heavy, right? Like, like um, Peter McFly said to Doc in Back of the Future, well, it's heavy. And yet there's an incredible 
um, picture of hope at the end of all this, that if you, you lean into Christ, if you're found in him, you have nothing to worry about. Jesus Christ himself said, anyone who hears my words and believes in me, I will give them eternal life. They've passed from judgment to life. And so this morning, as one of the images is already showing, I'd like to talk to you about contending in the faith. And when we contend in the faith, it should be motivated first by our love for God, but also strengthened in our labor by Christ. Now, when you think of contending in the faith, what comes to mind? Perhaps, like me, you think of a boxer in a ring training for a fight. You're getting prepared. You want to seize the opportunity. One will rise and one shall fall. Right? Get your sledgehammer out. You're like, all right, it's down to business. It's you or me. But that's not exactly the picture that's being depicted here. I humbly submit to you. I love that little riff. Thanks, guys. I humbly submit to you that it's not about having a first strike mentality. This is something that um, I've been walking and learning myself as I meet with Pastor Jeff, and I appreciate coming to his office and talking about things. He keeps reminding me, we're peacemakers. You know, we're peacemakers. And not, he's not saying that I'm a hostile individual, okay? Um, but just realizing here in this, in this picture that our whole focus should be not beating our opponent, those, our neighbors. We're not trying to beat them into submission, to beat them into oblivion. Rather, we want to find ways to direct them to faith in Christ. We do that by sharing the hope that we've received. Peter says in uh, 1 Peter 3.15, Since you set Jesus Christ as Lord, always be ready to give the reason for the hope that you have in Christ. There are many things that we can be thankful for in Jesus this morning. The many different things that he has set us free from. The credible thing in his, in his death and resurrection, he's freed us from the mastery of sin. The, the final enemy is death, of which he has, he has, with all intents and purposes, has already defeated. We're waiting for him to return one day. And so like Christ, in calling us to be peacemakers, to be pure in heart, showing mercy, he says, let your light shine before all men so they may see your good works. And glorify God. And those good works are seeking to be those who make peace. Who extend mercy because we have received mercy. As we see in verse 1, very simply, it says, Mercy and peace and love be yours in abundance. To those who have been called, who are loved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. And so like Jesus, the challenge that he, that he speaks to me, even right here and now, is that our struggle is not against one another. And it's easy to forget that because sometimes people can rub you the wrong way. But our struggle isn't, isn't against each other. Truly, Jesus was showing us you have to look beyond the surface, recognizing our true enemy. As Scripture says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil 
spiritual forces in the heavens. So our accuser, the devil, just like we read in our text, is seeking to accuse, to to find fault in us. But yet we can rest in Christ that he is going to present us in verse 25 without a single fault. And this is something that the the church can easily go the other way, saying, you know, you, you have to earn your salvation. It's about what you must do. But rather, it's in our motivation by the love that we've received that we want to do good works. We want to be shining lights. As we see here when, when Jude is telling us about contending in the faith, when we realize that our position is secure, he then points to the fact that, look, the presence of those who are rebellious and false teachers, that's our reality. That was his reality. That was the reality of his readers. That's our reality here today. But we don't have to get, we don't have to get dis- uh, disappointed or depressed in that fact. Jesus said this, Be on your guard against false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are raving or ravaging wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruit. Their grapes gathered from thor- or are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, and so you'll recognize them by their fruit. And so we see that Jude is showing us that these rebellious people are diving headfirst into darkness. They're, they're playing the devil's playground, so to speak. They're having a whale of a time. They're on the roller coasters of life, um, the, the, the lust of the flesh, the, the pride in one's own life. But that's because they don't have the spirit. But who are we? We're children of God. We're found in Christ. It says that you don't belong to the realm of the flesh if you're in Christ. Rather, you belong to the realm of the Spirit. That's why we're told in Galatians 5 and 6, to be led by the Holy Spirit. Then you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And the beautiful thing that that Christ is, he's patient with us. He's working things out with us. We can rest in that fact. And, And Jew continues to go on showing us in a way that these people are like agents of arson. (laughs) Focused on self, setting fires, causing divisions, suppressing the truth. The truth is, says, you can be set free. You can be set free from your sin. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 to 15 says this, which should encourage us to lift us up and put us on a new path. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lusts, and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who, for us, gave himself to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse for himself a people for his own possession, eager to do good works. 
And the Apostle Paul reminds Titus, proclaim these things, encourage and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. And so a similar way as we read this text, it it warns us to watch out for those trying to, to slither their way into our minds, to slither their way into our communities, perverting, even twisting Scripture to some support an immoral lifestyle. Like, you're saved, the, the grace of God covers all, and it does, but we shouldn't be just abusing it. We want to honor Christ. We want to honor him who says, follow me. I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, will have the light that leads to life. I don't know about you, but um, I don't know who would be willing to let an arsonist into your home. Has anyone seen anything on fire? It's not a pretty picture. Several weeks ago at my parents' place, I was sitting in the living room, probably eating one of my mom's delicious baked goods of some kind. Um, I'm surprised I don't weigh much more than I do. Um, but anyway, we're sitting there, and my mom and dad are saying, wow, there's, there's a fire truck. Well, there goes another fire truck. Wow, third fire truck. My mom's going, they must be really lost. I don't know where they're going, you know. So I walk outside, and I'm like, you know, I, I see some smoke. So smoke is an indicator of fire. Go figure. So you go outside. Here my, my, my parents are saying, oh, that's our neighbor. They're burning stuff again. They have one of these burn barrels, and that's a whole other story. And I walk out, and I look to my right. I'm like, no, it's, it's not our neighbors. Look to my other left. Whoa! Check that out. I pull up my phone like we all do, right? When we see some see a dangerous situation, we want we want to cover it. We're the we're the news media. Like, oh yeah, you saw it first, you know, action news. And so I pull up my phone. I'm recording the thing. And I'm just like, wow, would you check it? Would you look at that? Right? And you're looking at this smoke, but there's even more than smoke. It's so black and and dark, and and you realize there's something in there that doesn't belong. There's something in there that doesn't belong. And in many ways, we can easily let things enter our life that have no business being there. They can wreak havoc. They can, it, may be, it may be okay at first. Temptation can be somewhat like fun at first. But when, it, when it's fully conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when that's fully developed, it gives birth to death. Now, just to bring that story uh, full circle, uh, I believe all the, the horses in this barn and that, I think they all made it to safety, I hope. But it really made me think about the importance of resting and trusting in God, who is a consuming fire. But if we rely and lean into him, we'll be so consumed with him, his thoughts about us, his love for us, his mercy for us, that we won't have any other time to be looking other ways, listening to other voices. I want to encourage you. I, I'm speaking to myself. This has been penetrating my heart. Scripture tells us that it's living and active. It, it penetrates to every aspect of our being. It should stir us. Maybe some of you are sitting here and, 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 and maybe you're not enjoying this too much. I, I don't know, but I, I, I hope that at least the word is speaking to you because it's speaking to me too. The beautiful aspect about worship, and I was pondering this as we were singing here this morning, is that we have a choice. We have free will. We can choose who we give our life to. We can choose who we honor with our lips or dishonor. We can choose who we honor with our lives or not. 
We can rest in our position and, and soak it all up like a sponge. But I think Christ is calling us to much more than that. To share it. To let it burst out from within us. He says if we believe in him, that out of us will flow rivers of living water. There's people out there that are thirsty for something different. Thirsty for real hope. They're not looking for us to, to give them the pat on the back, to congratulate them on, on the very thing that's wreaking havoc in their life. But they want to see, they'll respond to hope that's contagious. Like, hey, I want you to know I've been where you've been. You can be set free of those issues. Maybe you know someone that's dealing with depressive thoughts. Now, we know there's all these medical aspects. My brother's a medical doctor, and, and it's, there's important fact-finding that's gone on, clinical studies. But I'm telling you right now, from reading from our text, nothing is beyond Christ's ability, grace, and power. There's nothing. Now, we don't understand his ways. We understand why he even heals some people and, and not others. Why it might break people free from something that they've even been addicted to sooner than others. But yet we continue to rest that he knows what he's doing. That's the whole aspect. That's why I like, right at the beginning of the letter, Jude identified himself as a servant of Christ. He didn't say, oh yeah, I'm the half-brother of Jesus. you got to listen to me. He rightfully submitted himself to Jesus. And that should encourage us today, challenge us. We, as we submit ourselves to Christ, he's going to transform us from the inside out. And so we see from our text, Jude is showing us a spiritual tug of war, if you will. Now, do we have any professional tug of war people in here? Okay. Because I know, you know, a little bit about the subject, but my understanding is when you step up to the line, you want to balance out your team in such a way that gives you the advantage over the opponent. But the most important thing, from what I understand, is you need a strong anchor. You need a strong anchor. The question is, what are you anchoring yourself to in this life? What are the things that are pulling you or holding, even holding you back? The beautiful thing I love about our position in Christ, we can see in Jude, is that Christ is our ultimate anchor. Scripture says that he's our, fir- he's our hope, firm and secure. We can rest in him. No one can take that from us. In John chapter 7, he says, I believe it's in verse 9, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me and I give them eternal life. No one will snatch them out of my hand because the Father who has given them to me is greater than all. The Father and I are one. So they're in agreement. They're in agreement that if you profess faith in Christ, which is an incredible um, gift of faith in in the beginning, that he's going to pull us through. So what do we do with that? We realize that we're secure in our position. The presence of false teaching or rebellion is a reality. How do we respond? With everything that's been said, we build ourselves up in Christ, as the text says. We lean in him. We focus on him. And here are some practical applications, if you will. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. I'm going to read this from the NLT because I I like the way that it words this. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I'm away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. 
For God is working in you, giving you the desire and power to do what pleases him. Look at that in verse 13. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what's pleasing to him. And so with that, realizing that he's the wind in our sails, if you will, it says here in verse 14, do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life, then on the day of Christ's return, I'll be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. But I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice, and I will share your joy. And so it challenges us to continue in what we have learned, received, and heard. I'd like to share one of my favorite verses with you. One I, I strive by praying the Holy Spirit, as our text says. Paul writes, young Timothy, and says, I'm, no, I'm not going to go. Sorry, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to. I'm going to move on. Um, for the sake for the sake of time. So when we're when when we realize we're we're in Christ, uh, we're resisting those voices, um, all those things. The emphasis is on we got to get building. Let's get building. Look at verse twenty. But you, dear friends, as you build yourselves up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God waiting expectantly for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life. Now what jumps out to me as I'm reading this verse is that in view of God's mercy and all its, and all its wonder, this doesn't negate the importance of us cooperating with him. And how do we do that? It says praying in the Spirit. We pray for boldness. <laughs> we pray that his Holy Spirit would help us to have the words to speak. To follow Christ's commands. Jesus says this, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. What I love about that saying is that Jesus, he comes and he takes up residence. But he's the kind of person that you'd want in your home. He's going to bring joy. He's going to bring peace. He's also going to tidy things up a bit. But how many, how many times are we quick maybe to prefer other visitors and other guests over him? And yet he's always with us. We've been raised new life with him, seated with him in heavenly realms. That doesn't take away our position in him. But he's also a, a gentle, loving God where he doesn't force his way through. Again, like the sledgehammer, he doesn't just burst down the doors. Boom! I'm here. Listen to me. He, he invites us. He knocks on the door of our hearts. Pre I appreciate that you're laughing along with me, bro. <laughs> Do we have any people like going to the gym? Yeah, the gym, gym's a great thing. Yeah, I can totally tell. Pastor Jeff, man. Man, you're uh, Mr. Was it Mr. Olympian? Yeah, for sure, for sure. 
But you're doing what's more important anyway. You're, you're, building up, you're building up your spirit. But when you go to the gym, you're going there for a purpose. Maybe you're going there because I want to pump up, right? Maybe you're going there because you just want to shed those pounds. You want to lose some fat. You want to look good for the, the beach, whatever, right? And when we're working out, that's, that's, that's fine and all, but you need more than that. You need nourishment. You need protein and supplements to carry you along the way. Well, in the same way, we need to be nourished by God. We do that by praying, praying, aligning ourselves with his thoughts. Well, how can we know the thoughts of God? We've, we heard Pastor Jeff speak several weeks ago, Romans 8, that the Holy Spirit knows um, and intercedes on our behalf according to the will of God. Paul spoke to the Corinthians and saying, look, how do we know the thoughts of the man except for that, that man himself? In the same way, how do we know the thoughts of God except by his spirit? It's the spirit of God that knows his own thoughts. So how do we know the will and purpose of God in our lives? we got to attune ourselves with the spirit. He's going to tell us very plainly. So now we can step into a situation in our own life, in the life of our brothers and sisters in Christ, you can fill in the blanks what those circumstances, maybe in potential arson may look like, and say, Lord Jesus, is this something that you have for me? Is this the life to the full that you promised? I think you get where I'm going with that. Jesus said this, My nourishment comes from doing the work that my Father has sent me to do. We should be no different. And I'm, I'm speaking, again, directly to myself. My nourishment should come solely from Jesus Christ himself. What he is speaking over me. Scripture says that he dances over us with great joy. He longs to direct us, to guide us, like a lamp to our feet, a guide for our path. And so we build ourselves up by praying in the Spirit, by looking to him, being nourished by him. It's in prayer our relationship with him blossoms, it's how we address our needs. He says this in Luke eleven nine. 9. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks and the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And I love this. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake? I hate snakes. I mean, good mercy. Right? Who would want a snake? I might have one of those little gummies that looks like a snake, but I don't want a, like a real, the real thing. Who would give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asked for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you're trying to build up the body, you, you need eggs are a great source of protein. What's a scorpion going to do for you? And if then, who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? The key here that I'm trying to drive home is that if we align ourselves with His voice, we realize that He's incredibly merciful to us, that He's positioned in our favor. He's in our corner in the ring, cheering us on. And the great thing is, He will not let us throw in the towel. Now, this is where we may differ a little bit on certain things, but the only way we could really do that is if we could really find it within ourselves to truly deny him. You're not the Christ. You're not master and Lord. But all of us, we've been enlightened to that. We, we, we understand that revelation. We've, we've seen the light, and we're racing towards it. We're hastening the day of the Lord's return. 
And so he says in verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting expectantly for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life. Love Ephesians chapter two, verse four says this, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he has for us has made us alive with Christ. Even though you were dead in your sins, you were saved by grace. He also raised us up with him, seated us in the heavenly places in Christ. So in the coming ages, <coughs> excuse me, he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Jesus Christ. And so the wonderful news, as we all know, it is hope is not only for us, but it's for all of God's children. And this is, this is something I, I have to admit, living in the GTA, it gets pretty crazy. Like, I mean that. Like, coming here to Norfolk, you almost just breathe and just breathe in the different atmosphere. <laughs> but you really are challenged in an environment saturated with people of different religions and false voices, one saying, you know, Allah is the way. And it's, and it's, and it's saturating our culture in many ways. And even to the point when push comes to shove where we have a choice to make. But yet it's not a choice of thinking, well, am I, am I secure in Christ or am I not? We're, we rest on that. We put that thing to bed. Now we're just choosing and, and deliberately deciding to expect his mercy, but also extending that mercy to others. Look at verses 22, 23. Have mercy on those who waver. Save others by snatching them from the fire. Have mercy on others, but with fear, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. We ourselves are fully depending upon the mercy of Jesus Christ. Should we expect anything different for our neighbor? And that's difficult, as said earlier, when people may rub you the wrong way. Like, oh, maybe in the moment, in the flesh, maybe you like to see them get some condemnation, some fire brimstone kind of thing. But that's not what Jesus is calling to. That, I'm telling you, like, last night when I was wrapping things up and I said, you know, Lord, I don't even know what you want me to say. I was just reading Matthew 5. Thank you, Pastor Jeff. Reading past, uh, yeah, reading Matthew chapter 5. And it's like a ticker tape going across. And I was just seated in the back of my mind. And friends, that's really how we make Jesus famous. We make him famous by setting out to be agents of light. Hope this doesn't pop my glasses off. But, you know, we put on our helmet of salvation. It's pretty big. Helmet of salvation. That's firm and secure. Wow, I feel like I can take on some fire. We're stepping out. Now, I have boots in the bunker suit. I'm, I don't even know if I'm going to try and put that on now. But we're fully resting and trusting in his righteousness, which covers us, protects us. Now, I don't have a shield with me, but the word says that the shield of faith allows us to extinguish the fiery darts of the devil. And so we can rest assured as we step in by his leading, we can snatch people out of the fire. Again, not by grabbing our sledgehammer, busting down the door. Now, in our world, firefighters, first responders, which I had the pleasure of sitting with about 25 of them early in the week to get all this gear, they said, you know, Pastor Andrew, 
When we see a fire, we don't need anybody's permission to go in. We can just go in and, you know, try to seek and save those who are in there, which I admire that. But the incredible thing, again, is that Jesus, he's not busting in the door, as I said earlier. In the same way, he's in, inviting us to follow in his footsteps, to knock on the door of people's hearts in a way, as his ambassadors. Scripture says that he's working through us, if you will, making an appeal to others. But the emphasis is this. We're not responsible for the results. Everything rests in his provision, in his grace, his love, his mercy. Remember the beginning, to you who are called and loved of God and kept for Jesus Christ. So we can step into situations. We can be light bearers of hope. I'm telling you right now, when I see a fire and I see firefighters stepping on the scene, I'm filled with hope. If your house is ever on fire, right? In the same way, when, when we're feeling fires within us, he's right there. Jesus is right there. He says, call to me and I will answer you. How will we leave this place and make Jesus famous? What are the things going through your mind? What are the things that Jesus is calling you to here today? Beyond what's been shared. Because now when we rest in the fact that it is him who's able to protect us from stumbling, to make you stand in his presence of his glory without blemish and with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now, and forever. Let the words of Christ, if you will, saturate in our hearts this morning. As the worship team comes, hopefully more quickly than slothfully, Let these words of Jesus just wash over you as they've washed over me. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket but rather on a lampstand. And it gives light for all who are in the house. And he says, let your light shine before all men so they may see your good works and glorify God. As we leave here today again, let us rest and trust in him. Look to him for all mercy, love and peace, but trust him for the results as we reach out as agents of mercy and agents of light. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this moment in time where we can rest in your love. We can rest the fact that you've called us and that you keep us firm and secure in you. And Lord, as we rest in that security, as we rest in our position and who you are, Lord, may we be quickened. May we 